The promise of the gospel is not a get out of hell free card. It's not an ethereal fourth dimension spiritual eternity. It's a new heavens and a new earth. And that is ushered in. That begins in the Christ child. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. All right. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it has been almost a month since we've been back in the chopping block studio. We've taken a little break just just with the holiday, Thanksgiving and and then how the discipleship conference fell and we've been putting out some special episodes from John Stark's messages. I hope you've listened to those. Those were so good. Wanted to platform those John Stark's book that we gave out at the conference was just voted by the Gospel Coalition as this I think popular this, theology this was it spiritual living oh maybe that was what it was book of the year yeah spiritual. book of the year right here in the house in city at City Life Church in Wichita Kansas spiritual living spiritual formation yeah that that's awesome so if you haven't go back and listen to those but we are excited to be back and 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 plan to fall into the new year uh, as we start a long sermon series in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. We're going to take some breaks. We will. We will. But we will be in Matthew a lot in 2024. Indeed. And you started this year, or this this last week. But before we jump in. The calendar year. The church calendar starts. Oh, that's true. It just started. Beginning of the year is Advent. Bef- speaking of Advent. Before we jump into just the the deeper meaning there, Christmas season, Andy, give us one of your favorite Christmas traditions growing up. Um, growing up, yeah, or just favorite con- Christmas traditions. You, you you can you can. Well, growing up, we would we, you know I lived in Colorado Springs when uh-huh. I was a boy. Um, you know, we'd always wake up on Christmas morning, and do our presents, and then we would all go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Um, And my cousins who lived in Monument, so like, you know, 30 minutes away, they'd drive in, had another set of cousins who lived in town. We would all condescend on Grandma and Grandpa's house, and we would would do more presents in their living room, and um, and then we'd just feast and, and play together. And those are sweet memories. One of my favorite... One of my favorite Christmas Day memories, White Christmas, Colorado Springs as a boy, got a basketball goal. Ooh. And I was so excited I shot hoops in the snow. I love the, it. The net was frozen. That's uh, how you know you but care about the game. You have a was, passion for the game. That's a good memory. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Current, current tradition is uh, the day after Thanksgiving, it's religion at our house that we have to watch Home Alone. So, mm-hmm. day after Thanksgiving, we're we're watching Home Alone at some point That's on Black Friday. Classic, straight classic. Well, I think for me, similar, but you know, we I, I'm the youngest of five. We would often go to service on Christmas Eve, and then come home, and there'd be finger foods, and I just remember lots of like yeah charcuterie and finger foods, and my sisters and 
and my sisters and nieces and nephews would start to arrive after maybe they've attended their other church. And eventually we'd all be in PJs. We'd open one present on Christmas Eve night, enjoy some food. And then we'd all stay at the same house together. We'd all stay at my parents' house, which was really fun to wake up on Christmas morning, even when we were in our twenties and sometimes thirties and, uh, wake up together. Do you still do PJs? Uh, I, there are not a lot of PJs that fit me in the world, but no, <laughs> my kids do. They will get special ones. And, uh, Emily likes PJs. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big PJs guy. So <laughs> that's Christmas traditions folks, but let's change gears to the season of Advent. And, and I bring it up because I think it's important for us to circle back. You know, we have people who have grown up in the church, at City Life, we have people who have not, who have recently come to the faith, who have come to, from different traditions. So the word Advent can even be uh, new for people. So tell us a little bit, what is Advent? Why do we lean into it as a church? Like it's, why is it not just the Christmas season or Christmas Eve, Christmas Day? Why is it a, it's really this season? Season. Yeah, yeah I didn't grow up in a, I didn't grow up in a home where uh, we participated much in the church calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, our church calendar was like uh, Christmas, Easter, <laughs> uh, 4th of July. Right, right. <laughs> Patriotic service. Um, so it's it's only been, you know, in the past um, 10, 15 years that I've really started to lean in more to um, the church calendar. Yeah. Um, and... I just think, I think it's helpful in a lot of ways. Now, I don't, I'm not overly rigid about it. There are some traditions who would tell us, like, we're not doing it right. And, um, you know, it's all or none. And I just, I disagree. I don't think this is prescribed in scripture or anything. But I think, you know, so the word Advent means appearing Mm -hmm. um, or coming. And, you know, the people of God were waiting for the Messiah to appear. And so it was a season of longing and waiting. It was a season of expectation and hope in the biblical sense um, that God makes promises and he keeps them. And so um, I, I think I think it is really helpful. What, what the church calendar does for us is it gives us seasons of, of fasting mm-hmm. and seasons of feasting, seasons of longing, um, and then seasons of rejoicing. And so Advent is actually a season of, of waiting. Yeah. And, um. And I think we kind of get to re-enter that that longing of the saints of old, mm-hmm. and we get to go on a pilgrimage with with Mary and Joseph to to Bethlehem. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize this until I didn't connect the dots here until a few years ago that like the twelve days of Christmas is actually the season of Epiphany, right? Which was when Christ appeared. Yeah. Um. And that's in the in the church calendar. That's a twelve day period mm. of Epiphany that you're celebrating the actual appearance of of Christ, and so Advent precedes that. It's the it's the period of longing until Epiphany. Yeah. Um. So, I think I think it's helpful to kind of spend a season um, for us to re-enter that that sense of longing because we also live in a season. In a right. life of longing, we right. long for Christ's return, and it is a world 
of the already and the not yet Christ has come, but he's coming again, and we, we long for his return. And so uh, we can kind of reenter that that hope yeah, and, and that angst, um, and we set ourselves on the promises of God, and we look ahead. Yeah, and I, I think if we're real honest with ourselves, it's easy to just move throughout a week, a day, a week, a year, and things to feel very just routine, mechanical. I do the same thing, maybe even the same thing with my walk with Jesus. And following the church calendar allows us to go to really enter the story of Scripture, to enter the story of Jesus, to make it our story, and try to, and try to, um, yeah, just be intentional in a way that maybe it's different than uh, a regular day in July or a regular day in August. And just it's good to have these different rhythms throughout the year that they really put us in the story of Scripture and put us in Christ's story. So we're trying to do that through our preaching calendar right. and the way that we um, worship corporately. Any tips for other ways we can kind of enter the season of Advent individually yeah. or as families or as as city groups? Thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we you know we put out an Advent Devo on Sunday that's got four excellent readings just on different key passages that deal with Christ's incarnation, His coming, and I think I think doing things like that. I think you know I'm not always I'm I'm just a Bible reading guy. I'm not always for like a new Devo, but I do think a, a specific Advent Devo uh, or reading plan during the month of December can be helpful. My wife reminded our city group on Sunday that Luke has 25 chapters. So you can cover, you know, in the month of December leading up to Christmas day, you can cover a chapter of Luke, uh, every day. And we're in Matthew. You could just really meditate on the first few chapters of Matthew and reread those things, uh, all the way up to Christmas day. But I, I think, and, and I think especially with our kids, helping them, live into the story, making it a big deal, reminding them what 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 we're participating in here, like in the in all the hubbub of shopping and Christmas lights, which are special and we should enjoy. We're not against that. Like reminding them what we're leading up to. And so I do think it's a time where a, a doing some spe- specific readings and devotionals can be helpful. Yep. Yeah my uh, my um my Bible reading plan for next year is O Come o, or Be Thou My Vision. Yeah, it's it's kind of a liturgy for daily worship. It's by Jonathan Gibson. He just wrote and released one specifically for Advent mm-hmm. called O Come O Come Emmanuel. So that might be one you check out. Yeah. It's it's similar to like the Book of Common Prayer, but it has some prayers and some readings, um, that you know take you through a time of of worship. Yeah. Um, each each day. And these were written specifically for the season of Advent. So I think there are some different ways that you can um, participate in this season. I think that the big idea is like there's there's no right way to do this right. necessarily, but to to really fix our hearts on the appearing of Christ, what that what that means for us, what you know the fact that He has come, mm-hmm. um, but also to fix our hope on His return. Right. And I think we really easily lose sight of his coming yeah and we we don't seek the things that are above we don't we don't pray with john come quickly lord jesus yeah so we would encourage that to lean in and as we do we're jumping in the book of matthew and 
you opened really with the genealogy and really, really leaned into verse one uh, on Sunday, uh, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we're going to be in the genealogy next week again, talking about kind of some of almost the scandalous people that come up in, in Christ's genealogy and, and, and the grace that's even really explicit, uh, the scandalous grace that's explicit in his genealogy. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Uh, yes. And <laughs> yes and no. Um, Go ahead. scandalous because it's, it's, it's individuals you wouldn't expect to be right, there. Right, 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 right. You know, a lot of the scandal that gets, uh, you know, tacked onto them is, is they're, they're more victims. Right. They're, they're those who have been oppressed. And I think there's a, there's a, powerful word there hmm. at the very beginning okay um to go you know in jesus's family these people matter yeah so it's 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 more a message for the marginalized good um but certainly scandalous in the sense that like a genealogy is a resume yeah in the ancient world this isn't you're not putting this on your resume yeah you know you're you're probably editing these names out. Matthew goes to great lengths to add them in. Right. So that's what we're looking forward to next week. And make sure you attend and worship with us. But last week, so we won't go all the way through the genealogy. Last week, we just kind of began looking at verse 1 and some of the significance of these 17 verses. But let's just start with why. Like, why is a genealogy this the start of a gospel. Why would Matthew spend 17 verses kind of laying out Jesus' family line? What? Yep. Yeah, because the Old Testament sort of ends on this colophon. You know, there's this dot, dot, dot sort of nature to the end of the Old Testament, especially in the Hebrew order of how the Old Testament was was written. Our, our version leans on the Greek composition called the Septuagint. Um, but if you look at the Hebrew order, it ends not with Malachi, who was the last prophet to come along, but with Second Chronicles. Um, and you're, you're just sort of left wondering what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after 400 years of silence, no more prophets in Israel, you know, what's going to happen with these people? Matthew picks up with a new genealogy. And and if you read the Old Testament, what you'll find is the genealogies carry the story along. And so, you know, in Genesis 5, you have the same language of, you know, an account of the origin of, you know, and you get you get the descendants of, of Adam, you know, and then you get it again with Noah. Um, and then... And then you get it with Abraham, you know, you kind of zoom in on Abraham and it, and it becomes his family line that the story follows, Mm -hmm. right? So you kind of go from creation, macro level view of the world, and then you have Adam's lineage and Noah's lineage, and then it zeroes in on Abraham. And, and then as the story goes along, genealogies continue to play a role. Yeah. You know, um, Ruth gives us a, you know, it, it kind of ends with this mic drop of you know obed father jesse who fathered david king of israel yeah you know like boom you know and chronicles is doing the same thing it's carrying the story along through genealogy and so matthew is doing something 
very strategic and intentional when yeah. he starts his gospel this way. He's telling us this is the next chapter in this story. Mm. Um, this a major movement in redemptive history has happened, and we're going to zero in on this figure. Um, so, yes, yeah, super intentional, super thoughtful, and even the language that we saw at Sunday that literally the first two words are Book of Genesis. He's taking us back to the beginning, and he's bringing us forward to say, hey, this is a new beginning. Mm. Um, this is a new creation. We're, we're carrying this redemptive historical uh, you know, narrative into the present and zeroing in on this guy named Jesus, yeah, um, Jesus of Nazareth. And something else that came up in my reading was that typically you would start with the patriarch, uh-huh. And then you would trace the lineage down. Um, so you would expect Abraham's name to be first. Uh-huh. Matthew doesn't do that. Matthew starts with Jesus and he ends with Jesus in his genealogy. Um, and I think what he's saying there is that Abraham actually finds his real significance in Christ, in Jesus. Yeah. David, David actually finds his meaning, the whole story of the Old Testament actually finds its fulfillment and its meaning in the appearance of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matthew's doing a lot by yeah. starting with the genealogy. Yeah. And he specifically starts with David and Abraham, son of David, son of Abraham. So there's, there's, you know, and we see them in, in the, the rest of the genealogy here, but there are other significant figures in, in the line of Christ. There are other significant covenants in the Old Testament, why why are Abraham and David specifically highlighted as kind of the the key uh, the keys here in, in verse one? Yeah, loaded question. I'll try to answer. Um, I think one of the things that Matthew's doing is he's summing up the Old Testament story kind of in four movements. Yeah, you really have Adam to Abraham, right? Um, and then in, in Adam's not there explicitly, but the way that he starts with book of Genesis, he's hearkening back to creation. Right, right. So you have, you have from Adam to Abraham as kind of the first movement. You have from Abraham to David as a second movement. So kind of a people chosen, right? So in Abraham, you have, uh, you have the origin of the Hebrew people. Yeah. Right. And then you have from David to exile. So with David, you have, you know, the messianic promises of Davidic kingship, mm-hmm. but that spirals out of control with, with rebellion and disobedience. And so it leads to exile. And then the fourth movement is from exile to Christ. Um, and so Matthew is in some sense, summing up the story of the old Testament in these four movements, Adam to Abraham, Abraham to David, David to exile, and now exile leading to, to Christ. But Abraham and David, I think, do two things for us. One, they give us, you know, you know, Abraham is the is the patriarch of the Hebrew lineage. David is the Davidic king, um, and in those messianic promises that are tied to him, which were both huge, right for yeah. for the Jewish people. But then the other thing that I think distinguishes them from, you know, the 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 name that's missing. That's just obvious is Moses. Right. Where's Moses? Right. This is, 
I want to be careful here. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to overstate this point. I think it's significant that the covenants that God entered into with both Abraham and David were unconditional covenants. Right. Promises of grace. Yeah. And Matthew's saying, mm. hey, hey. I mean, similar to similar to what is said elsewhere when when he says the law came through Moses. Yeah. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That these unconditional covenants of grace, starting with Abraham, again with David, he's now signaling are being met in Christ. Mm. They're being met in Jesus. And in other words, Jesus doesn't come merely as another lawgiver. Certainly, he's the fulfillment of the law. We're going to see that. Matthew does show Jesus as a greater Moses figure, very intentionally. We're going to see that really clearly in chapters 1 through 4. Yeah, Moses isn't ignored here, which makes it more strategic and significant to me that he's not featured in the genealogy and right here in verse 1. Mm. Jesus does come as the fulfillment and, and, and the interpretation of the law. He's going to show us that. But Jesus doesn't come as as merely a lawgiver. He comes as uh, the fulfillment and the enactor of grace. Yeah. He he comes to give us grace. He comes to accomplish these unconditional promises for us. Wow, man. That's good. I don't know that I've thought through that before. So uh, that's really insightful and something to think on. And I think just real practically, too, you know, sometimes because of some of the maybe difficult passages in the Old Testament or the the hard places, there are some who maybe want to unhitch the gospel from the Old Testament, uh, unhitch Christ and Jesus from the Old Testament. Um, Or, you know, so central, like almost airdrop Jesus into the story without any sort of background story. And Matthew also is, is saying like, He's hitching Christ to the Old Testament in really clear ways and saying he explains the whole story. Mm. He is the fulfillment of the whole story. And this, the, Jesus is Jewish. <laughs> His, he is the fulfillment of the story of Israel. Like, th- you can't, you've got to deal with the whole Bible because Christ is being linked in the whole Bible as the fulfillment of the story, right? And I think that's. I, I, anyways, this is something I've thought about with our city group even on Sunday night. It's so important. It's so important to read your Old Testament to make sense of the New Testament. Right. Um, I mean, you just neuter it of so much depth and richness right. by not reading the Old Testament. Um, and, and Matthew is telling us, he's signaling to us over and over again, we're going to see it in these first two chapters, because he keeps saying this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Right. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I mean, he's saying it again and again and again, which you go back and read some of those passages, like some of these weren't even prophecies. Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the prophet wasn't trying to communicate this. What's Matthew doing? He's saying Jesus makes the whole thing come into focus. Right. He makes the whole thing make sense. And so, you know, this is Andy's interpretation. I don't know that the I don't know that in every case that the prophet or the writer in the Old Testament was saying explicitly this is this is a messianic right. verse. This is a messianic prophecy. I think God was calling his shot, but I think Matthew is now looking back at the story retrospectively and going, 
This has to be Jesus. Yeah. This has to be Jesus. Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. He's yes. going, the whole thing's about him. But I mean, to your point, you just can't, you can read the new Testament and get Jesus and, yes. and get gospel. Yeah. And, you know, be saved and, and know how to live a Christian life without the old Testament. But man, do you cut it off at the knees if you don't read your old testament? You just, just there's so many depths and layers and textures. There's so much beauty. It's like two D to three D. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta know the old testament, and so that's an exhortation I think from us. Yeah, it's really it's for your joy. It's mm-hmm. for it's for it's for glory, man. Like it's for your enjoyment. Uh, to go back and read and go, dang, this is so much deeper and richer than I even knew. Well, maybe a a good place to to kind of close out is kind of refocusing on this idea that the literal opening is a book of Genesis. You know, calling this, I think you quoted R. T. France, who essentially said Matthew is proposed that Matthew is saying there's a new creation beginning here. That might be a new thought for a lot of people. Like, yeah, Jesus, new covenant, Jesus is bringing, but like a new creation. What, what's that language mean? What? Why is Christ appearing? You know, the recapitulation of the book of Genesis, uh, a new creation. Well, I, if you go to the end of the Bible, I mean, what, what, what's the one on the throne saying? You know, behold, I am making all things right new. And so the the promise, the promise of the gospel is not a get out of hell free card. Amen. It's not an ethereal fourth dimension spiritual eternity. It's a new heavens and a new earth. And that is ushered in, that begins in the Christ child. Mm. His appearing is the inbreaking of God into history mm. to begin to make all things new. And we catch glimpses of that in his earthly ministry. You know, reverses of the curse as he heals, as he binds up, as he casts out demons. In some sense, the curse is going in reverse in the life and ministry of Jesus. And and that continues to happen as the gospel goes forth. Um, and as the church follows Jesus and lives as outposts of that new creation kingdom all over the world until one day Christ returns and he consummates it completely. Um, but yeah, this is nothing less than a new creation when Jesus the Christ appears. Hmm. It's better news than we knew. It's better news than we knew. <laughs> I love that. So good for us to hear. And you know, we're going to lean into the genealogy more this week. Excited to hear you bring out some of these marginalized peoples and and people you wouldn't expect to be show up in in a in royalties, especially a, a royals genealogy. This is the king. You 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 mentioned that right? This is Christ the King. Um, and he came for us. And you know, verse sixteen. And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. And that's why we're sitting here, and that's why we're celebrating the season that we're, we're celebrating with Advent, because Christ came 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself into a man for us, a child for us. And this is good news. Let's enjoy this season together, City Life Church. Amen. The one who fathered Abraham was fathered. Mm. That'll preach. That'll preach. That'll preach. Well, we're excited to be back with the chopping block, and we'll see you guys again next week. Have a good week. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.